This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom DiOria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom DiOria. Welcome to IMI's Tech Talk on the second Sunday of February. It's February 8th, 2015, and we're on at 3 p.m. in Arizona and 5 p.m. in the New York listing area. And today we're live from our New York offices, and we're going to be discussing controlling your email with our guest, Susan Kozak. I'm Tom DiOria. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated, and together with our weekly guest, our show will help our listeners, whether a business or home technology user, make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you the review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with our increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with our industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software or equipment, or new contract opportunities. One or more guests follow this from any aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to techtalk, that's T-E-C-H, T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com, and we'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please send us um, an email message at that email address I just gave you, or give us a call with questions on today's topic, or anything else we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX, that's 277-5369, and if you're outside the 602 listening area, Call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. Send us uh, an email question during the show. Uh, use that email address I just gave you, techtalk at imi-us.com. And uh, if you need to listen to us live and you can't get to your radio, we're being simulcast on the web. So you can go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, you can go to our website, which is imi-us.com, and the upper right-hand corner is the Tech Talk button. Click on that. Uh, All the shows are there. You can uh, download them, uh, listen to them as many times as you want, send them to your friends. Uh, It's free, so please take advantage of that. And please call at any time during the show, and we'll try and get you on as quickly as possible. First segment is our week in review. It's our increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world. It's provided by Dan DiOria, Dave Brandon, and Jose Batista. Okay, so uh, as you may know, if you're a regular listener to this show, our corporate offices are in Valhalla, New York. And I think this made the international news that uh, there was a really terrible train accident where six people were killed uh, in Valhalla when a woman decided that she didn't need to stop at the railroad crossing when the lights were flashing and then got stuck when the barriers came down. A 60-mile-an-hour express train came and rammed her, and there was a major explosion when the third rail went into the train, killing the uh, five people that were in the train. Um, So our hearts go out to the families of all those who were killed and all those that were injured, and the technology aspect of, besides uh, wishing well to the families, is uh, the NTSB is in town, 
And we spoke to some of those investigators, um, and the first thing that they checked to make sure that the railroad crossing warning system was operating as designed, and they said it was, uh, when, when the whole thing uh, occurred, um, National Transportation Safety Board member Robert Sumway told us that a nearby traffic signal was also working correctly. Um, he said that investigators are still trying to determine whether traffic ahead uh, kept the driver from moving her vehicle through the train crossing after the warning, uh, warnings began sounding. Uh, among the witnesses interviewed, um, uh, he told us that uh, the driver was directly behind that car, um, watched her get out of the vehicle when the bar came down and struck the car, and then got back into the car and pulled forward into the path of the train, as opposed to backing up as they claimed people were yelling at her to do. Um, so... We're going to follow up uh, on this tragedy from uh, a technology point of view, uh, and again, our best wishes go out to the to the families. Um, okay, City College is starting an intensive program that organizers say will help close the gender gap in the tech industry. AM New York tells us the Women Entrepreneurs Program will foster seven startups that are led by a woman and give them training on how to enhance their product as well as the opportunity to pitch it for a $30,000 grand prize. That's pretty impressive. Uh, the report released by Silicon Valley Bank found that just 38% of New York's tech companies have women in executive leadership positions. At the same time, tech-related jobs are on the rise in the Big Apple and account for more than 12.6% of the city's workforce employing 300,000 people, according to uh, Mayor de Blasio's office. The teams, which include at least two members associated with City College, will go through rigorous training from tech and business experts on how to successfully develop, market, and deploy their products or apps. They will then give a presentation in, in the end of April to a panel of judges who will award the prize. Okay, good luck. Uh, New York Times tells us that happy known on Android phones as Happy Any Hour, is a new app that allows users to drink on the cheap at participating bars in Brooklyn and downtown Manhattan. Download the app, and suddenly it is as if you have joined the club. A flash of your phone screen suddenly gets you $2 off craft beer that you have been craving. Uh, the app does not entitle users to a roving all-day happy hour. Deals are available only at certain times in bars. To find when and where they are offered, the app provides a map of all places offering discounts, both at the moment and in the future. With more than 140 bars signed up, Happy offers a nice variety of choices. The options in Manhattan include cavernous drinking halls, hookah bars, and prim cafes serving wine and chocolate. Happy plans to make money by selling advertising to alcohol brands. Bars have long offered specials on particular brands, and Happy expects to exploit these natural pairings. It may also offer premium packages to bars with which it teams up, which would entail selling data about customers attracted through the app. There's always that angle. Twitter, Bloomberg tells us, which 
posted disappointing fourth quarter user growth gave a surprising reason for the slowdown, Apple Inc.'s new mobile software. The San Francisco-based company said Apple's rollout of iOS 8, the iPhone maker's new mobile operating system, costed 4 million new users for integrated related reasons. There was an unforeseen bug in the release of iOS 8 as related to Twitter. Um, Apple users uh, reported several snafus after iOS 8 uh, debuted. Uh, some popular applications crashed more often, and iPhone owners complained about having to delete photos, videos, and apps to make room for the new software. Apple uh, hasn't really commented on that to us. Okay. ABC tells us that entrusting a company with something as personal as a social security number and then learning it was possibly stolen by hackers is a terrifying reality that as many as 80 million people are currently grappling with following the attack on Anthem. The country's second largest health insurer said that its computers were hacked and the data including names, birthdays, medical IDs, social security numbers, street addresses, email addresses, and employment information, including income data, may have been exposed. Anthem immediately notified its members and the FBI of the very sophisticated external cyber attack. The company also said it will provide credit monitoring and identity protection services free of charge to those affected. Safety experts recommend everyone, not just those affected by the act, immediately ask the three nationwide credit bureaus to freeze their information so that new lines of credit cannot be opened unless a user thaws their credit. A small fee may apply in some cases. However, experts say instituting a freeze is a vital layer of protection that gives consumers complete control over their credit. Now, one thing that you may or may not be aware of is that when you put all your information into Obamacare, they are not required, from what we found out uh, last week, to notify you if there is a breach like this. So keep an eye on uh, anything that may look suspicious and uh, follow all the rules for security and privacy protection that we've been telling you about on the show. Okay, this is Tom DiOrio. We're on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 8th of February, 2015. Uh, we're going to come back after this break with our guest, Susan Kozak, and talk to you about controlling your email. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 8th of February, 2015. And as I mentioned to you before the break, we're going to be talking to you today about controlling your email with our guest, Susan Kozak. And she is a certified professional organizer and the owner of Balanced Spaces in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. She's an active member of the National Association of Professional Organizers and currently serves on the National Board as Secretary. Since 1990, Susan uh, has helped thousands of people learn to become better organized, and I'm hoping she can teach me something today. She works with busy professionals in their offices, helping them set up systems to stay organized, and teaches seminars and workshops on organizing and time management. She's a uh, software trainer, 
teaching classes in Outlook 1997 through Outlook 2010, and currently offers a seminar called Control Your Email. Susan, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Okay, thank you, Tom. I'm glad to be here. So, email. For those of us that walk around with devices that send us email relentlessly, some of us think it's a good thing, some of us think it's a bad thing. What do you think? Well, for a lot of people, it's a love-hate relationship because we, we can't live without it. And it's so great because it helps us be so much more efficient, but we're, we're constantly on email, and it's gotten to the point where we, we, we can't stand it, but we need it. Do you think that this only applies to, to business people or to, to people that, uh, you know, in their personal lives are, are attached to email or are they more attached to other social media, do you think? Well, I think that it depends on the generation, the age group, because um, a lot of the, the younger kids, they don't do email at all. They think it's archaic. And <laughs> they'll do texting or social media and not using email at all. But for a lot of people, I think, who have email at work and they're so, it's so ingrained in them, they use it for personal things, too. People generally get one to 200 messages or more each day, and it never stops. It just keeps coming in, and you, you never can get caught up. And there's, there's a fallacy that people think that, you know, once they get caught up, then they're, then they're okay. But you, in reality, you never get caught up because you could get your inbox to zero, and two seconds later, you've got five more messages. <laughs> Uh, isn't that the case? Why do we like it then? Not everybody works on the same schedule time-wise. And so if you've got things to communicate to other people or questions to ask, and they're on a different time schedule than you are, you can just you know do your email, get all your work done. You don't have to worry about calling somebody on a weekend or evening if those are your hours but not theirs. And it's a quick way, too, if you've got something that you're thinking of, oh, I need, to call, I need to call Tom and ask him this. No, I'll send him an email. You can do it right then, no matter what time it is, and get it off your plate so you don't have to remember to do it later. Yeah, it's also a good way, uh, you know, when you wake up in the middle of the night, send somebody an email, and they think you're working 24-7. <laughs> That's not good, though, because people have gotten to expect instant replies and to have instant access to everybody. And we teach what we allow. So sometimes if I'm working late at night, I will not send it until the next morning or I'll delay it and outlook to go like at 8 o'clock in the morning rather than 1 a.m. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's an interesting phenomenon. Is, uh, you know, somebody sends you an email and then two minutes later they say, are you out there? How come I haven't gotten a response yet? Right. People have their, their email on constantly, and I recommend that people – Turn off their email completely at least one day each weekend. And if you haven't uh, done that before, it's really refreshing if you do it. It gives you such a great feeling of freedom. Yeah, until you come back and you've got a thousand emails. Right, but if you if you process them and make decisions quickly, rather than doing it constantly all day long on a Saturday or Sunday, you know, tackle it Monday, it'll take you less time when you're doing it all at one time. And you'll be more refreshed on Monday when you go back to work if you haven't spent all weekend doing emails. So do you think that's one way of keeping on top of what's coming in? Definitely. It's, we need time away from this. Are there other things that I should be doing to uh, not get overwhelmed? Like if I'm in a meeting for an hour and I come back, I've got 25 emails. And that's if I don't cheat during the meeting and, <laughs> and, and check use them my iPhone <laughs> to answer them. 
Okay, so you've got 25 email messages. So when you first, you know, look at your email when you, after the meeting, just quickly go through and delete those that you can. If you've got some that you need to delegate to somebody else, get them off right away. If it takes just a minute or two, go ahead and respond to it now because otherwise you just wasted the time reading it and you have to remember to do it later. And then if it's something that you need to do later or to file, to go ahead and file that in a reference folder or project folder or put it in your system for follow-up. But try to make those decisions quickly as you're going through email rather than taking the time to do some things that are going to take more than a minute or two when you need to put those in the hopper and prioritize them with all your other stuff. Now, that's good advice. You've been doing this for a while. Um, I just said, you know, I could be in a meeting and get 25 emails in an hour. Is that small, medium, large in terms of what you've seen? It depends on the person and their job. Um, with my responsibilities on the NAPO board, I can tell you right now that half the messages in my inbox are NAPO board related. <laughs> and other times people have a job where they work on major projects, but there isn't a lot of back and forth all day long. But some people have back and forth all day long, so it varies. But the averages that I've heard from people that I work with are one to 200 messages a day. And some, it's up to 500. Tell us about what your top recommendations are for people that compose emails, sending emails, so we can get an idea of how to be more efficient. When I do a seminar on-site for an organization, I'll ask them usually what what bothers them about other people's emails. (laughs) And so... One thing that has come up is that people send emails and they don't have their full signature in the email. So if you just want to pick up the phone and call them because there, there are times when it's more appropriate to have a phone conversation because you can get things done more quickly. And I always recommend having the full signature with your name, title, company address, phone number, website, email address, and have that not just in new messages but any replies and forwards too because that will save time. Another complaint people have are the subject lines. It's really important to put in the subject line concise words and also if there's something, if there's a deadline or if there's action required or if it's just FYI, because a lot of people will open the email message based on the subject line. If you have a subject line that doesn't imply urgency or interest, they'll ignore it. That's interesting. And have you ever gotten a message from somebody that, you know, somebody replied, then you replied, and they replied, and somebody's changed the subject along the way, but the old subject line is still there? Yes. Well, in Outlook and probably other programs, too, you can change the subject line even if you're not replying. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, so in Outlook, Outlook 2010 is what I'm teaching my seminar now and the one that I'm using, and you just this works with earlier versions, too. You just, you've got the message open on the screen. You're reading it. You can just click on the subject line, highlight that text, even though it doesn't look like a field where you can type, and type in the new text. And if you go to close the message, it'll ask if you want to save it, or you can do Control-S to save. And now you've got it with the subject line that makes sense. Oh, so that's, that's really very interesting. I didn't, that's a, a good thing to know. Does it aggravate the person that sent you the email in the first place that you changed uh, there at the topic that they were trying to set the stage for? Um, not usually, because usually it's, it's, you do that only if the subject has changed, because sometimes people will start, they'll, they'll choose a message from somebody to send a new message to. They'll do a reply just so they don't have to type in their email address or look it up. 
but they don't change the subject line. Right. And what I do for some messages that I'm saving, if I have a message that I'm saving and I, I flag it with a reminder, I might also change the subject line that might be like um, register by the state, if I, a session that I want to attend and get the early bird rate, or call so-and-so, and I'll put that in the subject line so when I'm looking at it in Outlook, it's right away I can see what I need to do. Okay, we're going to continue on this uh, subject when we get back from the break. I'm Tom DiOria. This is IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's February 8, 2015. We're talking with uh, Susan Kozak about controlling your email. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. My Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dioria. It's February 8, 2015. Topic for today's show is controlling your email with our guest, Susan Kozak. And uh, before the break, we were talking about uh, composing and sending email. And we were talking about uh, various recommendations for sending the email, responding to email. How about composing your email? Well, one of the things that I hear from people who complain about other people's email messages is that sometimes people will send a long, long email that's just paragraphs of text, and nobody's going to read that. So what you want to do, if you have a number of things to, to include in your message, make sure it's bullet points and be as short as possible because you've got a lot better chance of having it read. And I recommend sending separate messages for separate subjects or separate requests. Because what happens is if you have three questions to ask somebody and you put them all in one email and they're unrelated, they might not have all of the answers, so it would be a while before they respond to you. But if you send quick messages for each individual thing, you've got a better chance of getting a faster response. You don't think that aggravates them because they're getting three instead of one email? The um, It does some, but I find that's a fewer percentage than those who... Um, are upset because they asked somebody a bunch of questions and they didn't get any response back. And when they contacted the person, they said, well, I was still working on that one thing. Ah, okay. What about replying to all? Oh, that's a, that's a key thing. The, the more messages we send, the more we receive. And if you do reply all, people will respond back to you. Sometimes they'll say, you know, please take me off the distribution list. I don't need to see this. Or It really bothers people a lot because sometimes somebody will get a message that goes to like 20 people and they'll send a thank you and it goes to everybody. There's no need for that. It just fills up the inboxes. So if you're doing reply all, take a look at the email messages in the two fields and see do all those people really need to see it and delete the ones who don't. And what's helpful, too, is if you put, if, if there's action required or a deadline that affects somebody or key information, put those people in the to line, and then for those who it's only for their information, put them in the CC line. Oh, that's a good recommendation. Now, what's, what's the protocol? So I get an email, um, really doesn't require a response, and I say, but I send a response, and I say, okay, or thanks. I mean, is that necessary in the protocol of the day, or can I just not say it and not waste everybody's time? I personally like to acknowledge an email if somebody sends me a document or they send me something um, that's somewhat important, or I do it on a t 
case-by-case basis, but I know there are times when I send something to somebody and I don't get any response, and I'm wondering, did they get it? Did they see it? Did they open it? Well, that could be the uh, other side of the coin that we were talking about before of needing instant gratification when you send the email, too, right? Right. Well, that's something we're all guilty of. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're all trapped into that. Um, There are a couple other questions I wanted to ask you about email in general before we get to... um, uh, talking about, uh, I guess, reducing email and also responding to email. But um, do you have any recommendations if we're going to do attachments? I mean, does it make any difference if it's a bunch of attachments, one attachment, a big attachment, a small attachment? A lot depends on the person's broadband capability. Uh, what I recommend for offices that have shared drives is they put the attachment on the shared drive and then in the email send a link to that. Oh, so that makes downloading a lot faster. Well, also, too, it doesn't fill up the space. In a lot of places, people people are getting still getting messages saying, you know, you filled up your inbox, you need to get rid of things, and people don't want to get rid of things. So you don't want to take up that space with attachments. <laughs> yes, nobody nobody ever wants to get, get rid of anything. <laughs> well, I'm guilty okay. of that, too. I'm an information junkie, and I like to um, to hold on to information. Now, you gave us some hints about, uh, and I want to talk about security at some point, but I'll hold off on that for, for now. Um, you gave us some, some suggestions about processing your email. Can you uh, uh, go into that in a little bit more detail, you know, about reading email? Uh, okay, well, the first thing that I recommend for people, unless their job requires them to be instantly available and constantly available when they're working, is to turn off notification of new email. Even if it's a silent one that you just have that little message pop up in the lower right corner of the screen. I don't know if you have that set on yours. But what happens course, is that if... and it makes noise on my phone. So. Okay. When the first phone that I got that I had email on, I walked out of Verizon and I got in my car and my phone starts dinging. I'm thinking, what is that? And then I realized it was every time an email came in, I went back in. I said, how do I turn this off? Because what happens is if your phone dings every time an email message comes in, if your computer makes a sound or the little message appears in the lower right-hand corner, you're constantly interrupting yourself because you take a look to see, okay, is this more interesting than what I'm working on right now? What happens is that you can be working like mad all day long, and at the end of the day you feel like you didn't get anything done because you've got the constant interruptions. Correct. And so what I recommend is that, an Outlook or whatever other program, you turn off notification of new email, let your supervisor and colleagues know that you're doing that and that you're going to be checking email only at certain times of the day, maybe three or four times, six or seven times, depending on how often you need to. But what happens is that if you turn off that notification, then you can concentrate on replying to other email messages or doing other things so you don't have that constant interruption. And then when you process email, You want to do it as quickly as you can to delete the things you don't need, delegate what can be delegated, do it immediately if it just takes a minute or two. If you get an email related to a project, get it into that project folder immediately because there's nothing worse than starting to work on a project and saying, oh, I think that there was an email Taylor sent me. What did I do with that? But if you got it all in the project folder, you're good to go. And then those that require action Get them into your system for follow-up so that you don't forget about them. Well, you bring up an interesting point. Should I make folders 
as opposed to having it all sitting in one big lump? If everything is in the inbox, you can only see 20 or 30 messages at a time. And what I find bothers people the most when they've got so many messages in their inboxes, they're constantly worried, is there something that's buried there that I'm supposed to be doing or something that has a deadline that I've forgotten about? Because very few people have an inbox that only has 10 or 20 messages in it. That's true. They don't all need to sit in the inbox. Some people will keep only the things that they have to do in their inbox, and that works if you only have 10 or 20 to-dos, but if you've got hundreds, you need to have you know some other things to help you remember how to do those. That's a good point. In terms of junk mail, Terry just sent us a note wanting me to ask you, can I ignore my junk mail folder, or is it something I should be checking just in case there's something important in there? I recommend that people check their junk mail folder. As a professional organizer, I get emails sometimes from potential clients, and the subject line is all caps saying, help, I'm desperate. (laughs) And those, of course, go to the junk folder. (laughs) So I check my junk folder four or five times a day, and I generally have at least one legitimate message in it each day. Really? And what I do then is then I, I move those to the inbox and then I empty the junk folder so that the next time that I check it, I don't have hundreds of them that I have to check. I usually There's usually 10 to 20 in the junk folder when I check it. Follow-up to that from Dan is a question. Um, do, you ever em- do you ever empty your trash or do you keep those just in case you threw away something that you need? I empty my um, deleted items folder periodically. But what I'll do, <laughs> I have a, I, my clients know that I keep things for a while, so I will get messages from clients saying, oh, can you send me again that, that email that I sent you? So what I'll do is I'll go to my deleted items folder, and rather than empty it, I'll take everything that's older than two weeks and I'll delete it. And when you delete it from the deleted items folder in Outlook, it permanently deletes it. Okay. We're going to take a break. We're talking uh, with uh, Susan Kozak about controlling your email. I'm getting a lot of good suggestions. This is Tom DiOrio on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. It's the 8th of February, 2015. Please stay tuned. We're going to be right back after these messages. My Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOria. It's February 2015, and we're talking about controlling your email with our guest, Susan Kozak. And Susan, uh, before we get back to talking about email, in the introduction, uh, I mentioned that you have a company called Balanced Spaces. What's that all about? It's about organizing and time management. And it's great fun because I get to help people become better organized, which is a skill that will help them for the rest of their life. And I get hugs from my clients sometimes. I don't think many people can say that about their job. Certainly not. I haven't gotten a hug from a client in a long time. (laughs) And how do our listeners get in touch with you if they want to follow up? My email address is susan at balancedspaces.com, and my phone number is 703-742-742. Nine one seven nine. Great. Okay, so um, also in the introduction, um, we mentioned that your software trainer, T. 
teaching classes and outlooks from 97 to 2010. Can you tell us uh, what some of your favorite outlook shortcuts are and features? Okay. Anything else you want to tell us? I love teaching Outlook because there are so many shortcuts, and most people don't have time to take like a full-day class to learn about them. And so I do a three-hour seminar that's organizing and time management techniques plus my favorite shortcuts. And I think my very favorite one is the quick steps. If you're sitting at your computer now and you're on the home ribbon or if you're reading an email, you'll see the quick steps in the middle of the ribbon. And this is where you can put a pointer folders that you move messages to often so that if you're moving messages out of your inbox into folders, if you use folders like a lot of people do, you have quite a few folders and subfolders and maybe subfolders under that. So what I do is I've put my most often used ones in quick steps. I've got one for the um, receipts and orders placed. I've got almost all of my bills digitally now. And so when I get a, a receipt for something I've ordered or a statement, I can see it in the inbox or in the message, and I just click on receipts and orders placed in quick steps. It moves that immediately there, only one click. And it's easy to use quick steps because you can click on the little arrow to open up the quick steps dialog box, create a new one for anything that you want. You can do other things besides moving to folders, but that's what I use it for. And I've got some of the screenshots from my PowerPoint presentation that have the steps on how to do these. And that document will be on the Tech Talk website so that if people are interested in trying some of these out, they've got all the steps right there to do it. Well, that's pretty good. That'll be a good help to our listeners. Do you use anything to keep track of your email messages that require action? You mentioned something about that before. I was just wondering if there's uh, anything special. I use a combination of things. The um, I don't use the tasks to Outlook for that. They haven't worked for me. I think it's too hard to prioritize them. But I do use the flags, and I use the flag only when I set a reminder date and time so that I get a pop-up message about it. Otherwise, you end up with a sea of flags in your inbox, and there's nothing really that makes them stand out. It's sort of like having all those physical Post-it notes around your computer monitor. They become part of the decor, and you don't see them anymore. Another thing I'll do is if I have a message that I need to do something about that's more than just a minute or two or to talk to somebody about, I will drag the message from my inbox to a calendar in the lower right-hand corner in Outlook, and it creates a calendar item right away that I can change the date and time. And then when I save it, I can also set a reminder. When I save it, then the contents of that email message are right there in the calendar appointment. So when I'm at my calendar I can double-click it, and I'll see the contents of the email message. I don't have to go back to the inbox or another folder to find it. That's a good. That's definitely a good. Yeah, and that, that puts a copy there. It doesn't take the actual message. The actual message will still be where it was. It's just a copy. Good. That's a good suggestion. Um, do you have any recommendations with regard to email and security? That's a, you know, a hot topic these days. I don't consider email secure, and sometimes people will want me to um, email them something with a credit card number or maybe my social security number. It's 1099 time for people who do accounting, and I will not send that email. And they'll say, well, my email's secure. I said, yeah, but mine's not. I work out of my home. I'm on a standalone computer. (laughs) 
And they say that you should should consider any email you send to be like a postcard that you send in the snail mail. Well, I'd say uh, more times than not, unfortunately, that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Um, and for when I do a presentation at a government agency, I usually remind people that all of their emails that they send through the work email are available through the Freedom of Information Act. Yes, <laughs> that is definitely true. So besides getting into trouble for whatever the content may be, you're using uh, government property for personal use. So we've, we've got a uh, another note here. Who's this from? This is from Jean, who says that she finds email very impersonal. When should I use the phone as opposed to send an email? Well, if you have a touchy situation, say that you've got a situation that you sent an email and somebody misinterpreted the tone, um, what I would do is I'd pick up the phone and call them and say, you know, I just wanted to talk about, you know, our, our email conversation and um because it's very easy for some people just to shoot off a quick email and not think about the tone that it's in. And if you if you have a touchy situation, or especially if you're upset about something and you draft an email, do not send it right away. <laughs> Let it percolate at least you know a couple of hours or until the next morning. I wish I'd done that years ago. <laughs> We've all done things like that, but. Read it again and read it, you know, from the point of view of the person receiving it because when we're upset about something or angry about something, you know, we have a tendency just to spew. And um, that email record is permanent. Yes, and, and tone is a very difficult thing to, I guess, uh, perceive how the receiver of that email is going to interpret your words because you could mean something that you feel is pretty inane and they could take it completely the wrong way. I mean, that's a that's a tough situation to predict. Right, it happens. And so again, if it's a touchy situation, rather than sending an email to begin with, you know, pick up the phone and call them. Or if you sent an email that somebody you know misinterpreted, um, pick up the phone and call them and do it quickly rather than waiting. Any last minute suggestions for our, our listeners? We've got a minute left. Okay, well, one of the things that I recommend is spending time, making time to keep your inbox cleared because what happens is we all get so busy and we just say, you know, I don't have time for that, I don't have time for that, but make time at least once a week to go through and try to get your inbox. I try to get mine down to 50. Right now it's about 230, but once a week I try to get it down to 50 at least at the, at the most because otherwise you just you get overwhelmed and you worry about what's buried there. Well, that's a, that's a good suggestion, and in some cases it's uh, easier said than done depending on what the flow in versus the flow out is. Right, but if we don't do something about it, what happens is it just gets worse and worse and worse. And well, there are Susan, quick ways I really appreciate your, your being with us today. Tell our listeners what, how to get in touch with you again if they want to follow up. Okay, my email address is susan at balancedspaces.com. My phone number seven zero three seven four two nine one seven nine. Great. Thanks again. Thank you. Next week we're going to be live from our New York offices and we're going to do our weekend review and then we're going to have Stephanie Bork talking to us about home automation. I want to thank Terry Ruggiero, IMI's president, Dave Brandon, Dan Dioria, and Jose Batista for our weekend review. 
Taylor Redden's our producer, Matt Campagny's our executive producer. And without Robert Bomback and the KFNX AM 1100 production department, not a word would you hear. Thanks again for listening, and please don't forget to tune in to Tech Talk next week at 5 p.m. New York on KFNX AM 1100. And remember to send us your suggestions for future shows or ask us questions by sending an email to techtalk at imi-us.com. Have a great week, and thanks again for listening.